Welcome to History Analyzed. I'm your host, Mark Palmer. This is a podcast which examines critical issues and events of history. The subject we'll be analyzing today is, what was the main cause of the Civil War? Now, of course, that's very easy. The Civil War was fought due to slavery, period. That's it. You can turn this off, not listen any further. Okay, don't turn it off. We're discussing this because there are many people who claim it was not fought due to slavery. Confederate apologists claim that the war was fought due to a dispute over states' rights. The Civil War was not about slavery. It was just about this esoteric concept called states' rights. Surveys show that only about half of Americans say that slavery was the primary cause of the Civil War. The others say the main reason was states' rights. By the way, it's a lot worse for school kids. U.S. News & World Report from 2018 had a survey from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Only 8% of high school seniors could identify slavery as the central cause of the Civil War. That's right, you heard me, 8%. That is depressing. Okay, so what do people mean when they talk about states' rights? Well, that's a term for political powers held by the state governments rather than the federal government. Now, the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution reads as follows. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. Now, when you think about it, states' rights is a ridiculous argument. Nobody goes to war and loses about 10 to 15% of its free male population over a theoretical exercise. This was a nice academic discussion, but it's meaningless until there's an actual dispute. Think about before the American Revolution. The colonists were not happy about the fact that they did not have any representation in the British Parliament. But they didn't start a war and risk their lives and homes until they started getting taxed. You need an issue that tests the theoretical argument. So it might be true that the legal basis of the Civil War was a dispute over states' rights, but it's states' rights to do what? To own other people. All right, let's do some background. 1860, there were 15 slave states and 18 free states. Up until 1860, the South had gotten their way by controlling the federal government. For a period of 61 years from 1789 to 1850, There were only 12 years with a northerner as president, but 49 years with a southerner as president. In the 1850s, we had three northern presidents in a row. Millard Fillmore was from New York. He became president when Zachary Taylor died in office in 1850. By the way, Zachary Taylor was the last of the slave-holding presidents. Now, Fillmore was personally opposed to slavery, but he did nothing to curtail it. In fact, he enlarged the effects of slavery by signing the horrendous Fugitive Slave Law. That was the act that allowed slaveholders to capture escaped slaves in the free states and in the western territories. Then we had two doe-faced presidents elected, Franklin Pierce from New Hampshire and then James Buchanan from Pennsylvania. The term doe-faces means that uh, they were northerners who were very pro-slavery. Both of their administrations tilted heavily to supporting the South and slavery. 
To combat this, the Republican Party was created in 1854 as an anti-slavery party. John C. Fremont was nominated by the Republicans in 1856. He lost. But then in 1860, they nominated a little-known guy named Abraham Lincoln. And, as you know, he won. But it was a very close and very contentious election. November 1860, Lincoln's elected. Now, he had stated several times, well, many times, actually, that he was not going to try to outlaw slavery in the 15 slave states. But he was firm on stopping slavery from expanding into the Western territories. What do we mean by that term, Western territories? It was this huge expanse in the Western U.S. which had not become states yet. It's so large that it actually incorporates 14 current states, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas, Arizona, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. Lincoln wanted to stop the expansion of slavery into this enormous area and contain it in the South. His idea was that it would make it easier to eventually eliminate slavery down the road. This was the biggest issue of the 1860 election. Now, the slave states were not going to tolerate being hemmed in like this. So what did they mean when they said that they would secede? Well, according to dictionary.com, it defines that word as withdrawing formally from membership of a federal union, an alliance, or a political or religious organization. In other words, formally withdraw from the United States, no longer be part of the USA. South Carolina was the first state to secede. This was on December 20, 1860. This was just one month after Lincoln was elected. It was three months before he was even inaugurated. They were not even going to give him a chance to interfere with slavery. Following South Carolina's lead, six other states seceded. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. Then the war starts on April 12, 1861, with the Confederates firing on Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor. Four more states leave the Union. Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas. Now, four slave states remained in the Union. Maryland, Kentucky, Missouri, and Delaware. And that's right. People forget Delaware was a slave state. They always kind of get overlooked. All right, so what was the issue? Why did these 11 states leave the USA and go to war against their own government? Well, as I said earlier, Confederate sympathizers will tell you that it was a war about states' rights. How did this argument start? Well, this came about with the whole lost cause myth. See, people don't want to say that they or their ancestors fought for such a cause as to own slaves. So they came up with the whole states' rights argument. It wasn't about slavery, it was about states' rights. Now, the Lost Cause narrative arose shortly after the war ended. Civil War ends in the spring of 1865. Two years later, a Richmond, Virginia newspaper publisher named Edward Pollock wrote a book, The Lost Cause, A New Southern History of the War of the Confederates. In it, he claimed that the cause of war was not slavery at all. It was about the states' rights, their rights to protect their way of life. Now, this whole argument got expanded over the years by various patriotic Southern groups. The biggest and most effective was the United Daughters of the Confederacy. The UDC started in 1894, 
Over the decades, they erected approximately 450 statues, markers, and buildings honoring the Confederacy. The UDC is considered the leaders of the Lost Cause celebration, meaning spreading the lie that the war was not about slavery. So let's consider the states' rights argument. Now, this had arisen long before the Civil War. The most notable issue occurred in the nullification crisis, 1832 to 33. South Carolina felt that the federal government tariffs of 1828 and 1832 were unfair to the slave states. By the way, a tariff is a tax on imported goods. There may have been a lot of heated words, and threats, but South Carolina did not withdraw from the United States, and no war arose. Although there had been arguments over states' rights throughout the history of the U.S. up to the Civil War, there was no actual secession by any state until the South thought that slavery was seriously threatened with Lincoln's election. So it's true that they were claiming states' rights, but what did they mean, right? In 1860 to 61, when they were arguing about states' rights, it meant only one thing, the right to enslave other human beings. You don't have to take my word for it. Let's see what the people at the time stated was the main reason for secession and the formation of the Confederacy. Each state in the Confederacy had an official ordinance or article of secession stating their official withdrawal from the U.S. Now, four states also went further and put out documents which listed their reasons for seceding. These documents are usually referred to as the Declarations of Causes. Those states were Mississippi, South Carolina, Georgia, and Texas. Let's review. I'm going to start with Mississippi because they are by far the most blunt. Mississippi seceded on January 9, 1861. Their Declaration of Causes explains in detail how the free states were out to get the slave states, in other words, to end slavery. I recommend reading it. It's not that long. You can find it on my website, historyanalyze.com, on the page of supporting evidence. But here's the most important part of that declaration. Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. Its labor supplies the product which constitutes by far the largest and most important portions of commerce of the earth. These products are peculiar to the climate verging on the tropical regions, and by an imperious law of nature, none but the black race can bear exposure to the tropical sun. These products have become necessities of the world and a blow at slavery is a blow at commerce and civilization. That blow has been long aimed at the institution and was at the point of reaching its consummation. There was no choice left us but submission to the mandates of abolition or a dissolution of the Union, whose principles had been subverted to work out our ruin. Well, there you have it. I mean, that states as clearly as can be. It's very straightforward. Mississippi said, we're out because if we stay in the United States, our right to practice slavery is going to be compromised or eliminated. Now, as I said earlier, South Carolina, they were the ringleaders. They were the first state to secede on December 20, 1860. Their Declaration of Causes sets forth the history of the U.S. leading up to the Constitutional Convention of 1787. The key argument is that South Carolina would never have joined the U.S. if slavery was not protected in the U.S. Constitution, as they state. The Constitution of the United States, in its fourth article, provides as follows, quote, 
No person held to service or labor in one state under the laws thereof, escaping into another, shall, in consequence of any law or regulation therein, be discharged from such service or labor, but shall be delivered up on claim of the party to whom such service or labor may be due, close quote. Now, the South Carolina Declaration goes further and states, This stipulation was so material to the compact that without it, that compact would not have been made. In other words, if this uh, protection for slavery did not exist in the U.S. Constitution, South Carolina would never have adopted the Constitution. Okay, so is that true? Unfortunately, yes, the U.S. Constitution did protect slavery. Now, they never use the term slave or slavery. They use nice euphemisms like a person held to service or labor. The South Carolina Secession Declaration then explains how the free states were very mean to the slave states and would not return fugitives or protect their property. By property, of course, they mean enslaved people. Amazingly, the South Carolinians had the gall to quote the preamble of the U.S. Constitution. The ends for which the Constitution was framed are declared by itself to be, quote, to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, close quotes. Obviously, when they're talking about the blessings of liberty, they do not mean enslaved peoples, frankly, anybody other than whites. African Americans, Native Americans did not count. By the way, when they mean their liberty, that means the liberty to own other people. South Carolina Declaration further states, the right of property in slaves was recognized by giving to free persons distinct political rights, by giving them the right to represent and burthening them with direct taxes for three-fifths of their slaves, by authorizing the importation of slaves for 20 years, and by stipulating for the rendition of fugitives from labor. Okay, I had to look up the definition of that word, burthening. I'd never heard it before. It means weighed down with a load. The Declaration from South Carolina also goes on to lay out how the free states were trying to get rid of slavery and then lists the greatest insult of all. This sectional combination for the submersion of the Constitution has been aided in some of the states by elevating to citizenship persons who, by the supreme law of the land, are incapable of becoming citizens, and their votes have been used to inaugurate a new policy, hostile to the South and destructive of its beliefs and safety. South Carolina could not abide blacks becoming citizens. And that reference to the supreme law of the land, that meant the U.S. Supreme Court and the worst decision ever of the U.S. Supreme Court, the Dred Scott decision, which stated, among a lot of other horrendous things, that blacks could not be citizens of the U.S. All right, let's go on to Georgia. Now, Georgia seceded on January 29, 1861. Their declaration of causes is very similar to South Carolina. So without repeating everything, I can just summarize that they go through the history of how Georgia only agreed to approve the U.S. Constitution because of its guarantees of slavery. But then they've got a few great quotes explaining exactly why Georgia left the United States. First one, that reason was her, meaning the North, 
fixed purpose to limit, restrain, and finally abolish slavery in the states where it exists. Very candid, very straightforward. And this other quote, the prohibition of slavery in the territories is the cardinal principle of this organization. And when they say this organization, they are talking about the Republican Party. All right, the fourth state that had a declaration of causes was Texas. Now, Texas was the seventh state to secede. That was February 1, 1861. It was the last one to do so before the actual fighting broke out. The Texas Declaration is a little different because Texas was a separate country for nine years between 1836 and 1845. So when you think about it, Texas was only part of the U.S. for 16 years at the point when they decided they wanted out. So the Texas Declaration outlines that the only reason Texas joined the United States was because she, meaning Texas, was received as a commonwealth holding, maintaining, and protecting the institution known as Negro slavery, the servitude of the African to the white race within her limits, a relation that had existed from the first settlement of her wilderness by the white race and which her people intended should exist in all future time. The Texas Declaration lists how the free states were out to deprive the slaveholding states of rights that they actually received from God. The Texans figured, go big or go home. Here's the quote from the Declaration. That in this free government, all white men are, and of right, ought to be entitled to equal civil and political rights. That the servitude of the African race, as existing in these states, is mutually beneficial to both bond and free, and is abundantly authorized and justified by the experience of mankind and the revealed will of the Almighty Creator, as recognized by all Christian nations, while the destruction of the existing relations between the two races, as advocated by our sectional enemies, would bring inevitable calamities upon both, and desolation upon the 15 slave-holding states. There you have it. God told them it was okay. Look, as seen in these declarations and in a lot of the original documents, the slaveholding states tell their tale of woe about how the free states were ganging up on them to try to eliminate slavery. So they need to withdraw from the U.S. and form the Confederacy. The people who formed the Confederacy decided to put specific language into their constitution. The Confederacy had two constitutions. The first one was a provisional constitution passed on February 8, 1861. In it, they used the word slave six times. They don't go for those euphemisms like the U.S. Constitution. They were being blunt. They were protecting slavery. Article 4, Section 2 even incorporates the Fugitive Slave Law from 1850 into the provisional constitution. Then, on March 11, 1861, they passed the Permanent Confederate Constitution. That one is even more explicit about protecting slavery. It definitely protects the rights of slaveholders in Article 1, Section 9, a key point being Subpart 4, which reads, No bill of attainder, ex post facto law, or law denying or impairing the right of property in Negro slaves shall be passed. 
As I described earlier, the biggest issue of the 1850s was whether or not slavery could expand into the western territories of the United States. Well, the permanent Confederate Constitution specifically covers this controversial issue. Article 4, Sections 2 and 3 protects slavery in any new territories that the Confederacy might obtain. Here's the most pertinent language. In all such territory, the institution of Negro slavery, as it now exists in the Confederate States, shall be recognized and protected by Congress and by the territorial government, and the inhabitants of the several Confederate States and territories shall have the right to take to such territory any slaves lawfully held by them in any of the states or territories of the Confederate States. They decided they were going to finally put that issue to bed. Well, we've looked at some of the official documents from the Confederate States. What were some of their leaders saying? Everybody remembers Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy. An overlooked person is Alexander Stevens. He was the vice president of the Confederacy. He was a politician from Georgia. He gave a speech on March 21, 1861 in Savannah, where he really addresses the reasons that the southern states left the U.S. and formed the Confederacy. Here's possibly his most telling part. The new Constitution has put at rest forever all the agitating questions relating to our peculiar institutions, African slavery as it exists among us, the proper status of the Negro in our form of civilization. This was the immediate cause of the late rupture and present revolution. I don't think you can say it any more forthright than that. Now, Stevens goes on in that speech to say that the U.S. Constitution was fundamentally wrong and rested upon the assumption of the equality of races. And he goes on to say that they resolved that. Our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite ideas. Its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests, upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man that slavery, subordination to the superior race, is his natural and moral condition. This, our new government, is the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. He is saying plainly, slavery is the foundation of the Confederacy and the reason for its existence. I want to cite one other leader. John Mosby was this interesting character. His nickname was the Grey Ghost. Now, he was a big hero during the war for the South. He was a Confederate Army Cavalry Battalion commander. In fact, the area where he operated in north-central Virginia was known as Mosby's Confederacy. After the war, he wasn't quite such a hero because he became a Republican and supported Ulysses S. Grant when he was president. In a handwritten letter dated June 9, 1894, almost 30 years after the war ended, Mosby was writing to a doctor who had served under him during the war. And he's talking about one of those lost cause proponents. In the letter, he states, I noticed that, referencing the person who is a lost cause apologist, says the charge that the South went to war for slavery 
is a slanderous accusation. I always understood that we went to war on account of the thing we quarreled with the North about. I never heard of any other cause of quarrel than slavery. I like his honesty. All right, so what about Northerners? The South went to war to preserve slavery, but the North did not go to war to end slavery. The North went to war to preserve the Union, meaning the United States. But over the course of the war, once Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation in September of 1862, which became effective on New Year's Day, 1863, the elimination of slavery certainly became a war aim. But that's beside the point. It doesn't matter why the North originally fought. We're discussing why the South fought, because they're the ones who seceded from the Union and waged war for four years to destroy what Lincoln called the last best hope of Earth. What about the Confederate soldiers who did not own slaves? A lot of them never owned a slave, but they still believed in the institution of slavery. Once a war is going, people fight for their side in their homes, and they think that they're fighting to protect their quote-unquote way of life. Well, of course, what is that way of life? To live in a slave society. But more importantly, the reasons why certain individuals fought does not detract from the reasons why the war in general was fought. The key issues are, number one, why did the southern states leave the U.S.? And two, why was the Confederacy formed? As outlined above, the Confederacy was created to protect slavery, period. So now when somebody gives you that ridiculous argument that the Civil War was not about slavery, you can call bullshit and you now have the facts to prove it. Well, that's going to do it for today. Please subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening on one of those sites like Apple Podcasts, which allows for ratings or reviews, I would appreciate both. Please tell your friends, relatives, co-workers, word of mouth is greatly appreciated. Also, please check out my website, historyanalyze.com. You can find all of my podcasts, as well as other fun things like this date in history, historical book recommendations, historical sound bites, and links to supporting historical evidence. Thank you for listening. Catch you next episode.